This is a Stimulus Network podcast. Hello and welcome to the last episode of season one of For What It's Earth. Has that been a whole season? It is. We're wrapping up for season one already. by. It has. It really has. I mean... Listeners, if you've been looking out the window lately and you thought, it's a lot brighter, it's a lot greener, everything's more optimistic, the world's a better place, yes. And I think we can take a little bit of credit for that, not to inflate our own egos. Podcasting has really gone to Lloyd's head, but yeah, I think, you know, we'll take some credit. Illusions of grandeur, perhaps. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us for a whole season. We'll be back, though. This isn't the end. No, not at all. <laughs> that, that sounded very fun. <laughs> this is not the end at all. We are taking um, a bit of a break over summer to go and splash around in the sea and frolic and grass meadows and that sort of thing. Um, well, that's what Lloyd's doing anyway. Yes, Emma's going to a much colder part of the world. <laughs> I'm going to the far north of Sweden. Yes, you um, are. And I'm, I am actually very jealous. Despite all the frolicking I'll be doing, I'm very jealous you're going to Sweden. Uh, do you want to tell our listeners why you're going to Sweden? Um... So I am going to go and work at uh, the Climate Impact Research Centre up in Abisko, which is up in the far north. So technically I'll be in the Arctic, but it won't be, you know, polarised cap Arctic. It will just be cold Sweden, Arctic. Uh, oh, the Arctic? Kind of, yeah, the, the northern parts of Lapland. So that's super exciting. I'm going to be in a really remote place, I think, hanging out with climate change scientists. Um, might be doing a cheeky extra podcast while I'm there, but more details Whoa. will follow. What it's Earth, live from... The Arctic Circle. Exactly. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, so basically I'm, I'm going to be out there for a couple of months, which makes recording with you, Lloyd, logistically difficult. It does. And that's understandable. Uh, we're not just taking a break because that we're also going to be hard at work getting new episodes prepared for season two. Absolutely. So lots more talking points um, coming at you. There's some interviews lined up, some interesting people on the podcast. Precisely. But for now, it's the end of season one. And we thought, celebrate, we do something a little bit different. So rather than uh, pick a topic and uh talk your ear off for 30 minutes what we've done is we've gone to you the fantastic listeners who have supported us through this season and we wanted your questions what things matter to you what did you want to find out about what did you want us to um frantically google for a while and then potentially embarrass ourselves trying to explain (laughs) so we've got some really good ones haven't we yeah, thanks for sending them in. We, we actually got way more than we thought, which was great. So we've picked some of our favourites. Um, some obscure ones and some more general ones, but it's been really great to find out what really matters to you guys. Uh, but before we dive into that, we, of course, are going to do our world-famous, coveted uh, award-winning section. Um, None of those things we, are true. Well, we're going to do the <laughs> regularly repeated section. What have we done this week slash recently so uh, go on emma you start okay so two things i've come i've come prepared with two things i don't want to show off that's but uh fine i suppose you can i'm gonna i'm gonna make time for both so i think ages ago i mentioned that i had a uh, i bought like a little solar panel for when i go um hiking and stuff but basically it's been so sunny in the last couple of weeks um and now that i'm working from home i've been able to kind of leave my solar panel out enough that I haven't actually had to charge my phone using the mains for the last two weeks because I've just been running my phone off the solar panel. That's so good. Which is small, but quite satisfying. For the listeners' benefit, um, when we sat down just just before this episode, 
Um, oh. <laughs> Emma stood up and ran out the room shouting, I need to put my solar panel out the window. Um, well, well now in you the know mornings, why. the back of the house gets the sun, so I have to hang it out of that window. And in the afternoons, the sun's out the front. So there's, there's, you know, there's a midday switch just to keep the sun. I've got my system sorted. You, you are an avid follower of uh, physical science. Getting my solar energy. But the other thing, now I've taken a leaf out of uh, our lovely wish to be friend Greta Thunberg um considering I am going to Sweden wonderful Greta yep um her advice of course was stop flying uh if you can stop flying and take the train now I have to confess I am flying to Stockholm but that's because I don't have four days and 400 pounds to spend on getting the train to Stockholm but what I have done is then book myself onto a night train from Stockholm up into Abisko instead of taking a second flight up through the country I'm going to Go and sleep well on a train. And it's a scenic route as well, I guess. It should be really pretty, yeah, apparently. Because um, we're going to go from summer in Stockholm up into the Arctic where it's midnight sun. So I'll actually kind of arrive in the bright daylight Ooh. at any point of time. So Good luck trying to sleep. I've packed a lot of sleeping masks. <laughs> yeah. how, how long is the journey? Oh, this is, I leave at like 6pm and arrive at 11 the next day. So Bad. hopefully my, my birth will be comfortable. Your birth will be comfortable. Oh, I, I my see. Sleeping, my sleeping bed. Uh, my birth yes, on the train that makes more sense i was sure if you meant like your birth into the arctic circle no like that your sounds... metaphorical birth wow into that's a green, the image that i'm life. going to have in my mind as i get off the train in abisco you're welcome lovely <laughs> what about you what about you um you so i'm gonna admit i haven't um done anything major in the last week <gasps> but what i thought hold your gasps for a second what <laughs> i thought is in, <laughs> yeah in, in the spirit of this episode where we're uh, celebrating your questions i thought we'd maybe mention um some things that people close to us and um some other listeners have done instead absolutely this one is all about you guys the listeners after all precisely and it means we don't have to come up with content ourselves <laughs> Well, I did, but you didn't, but whatever. Anyway, um, I went uh, home to visit. <laughs> Show me up again, why don't you? I went home to visit my parents really recently. Um, mm-hmm. Hi, mum and dad. And Hi. Hi. And I, while I was there, so, so I'll, I'll start again. I went home to visit my mum and dad recently. And if you listen to our Sustainable Diets episode, you might know that uh, I have switched to oat milk. Mm-hmm. Because it's uh, very low impact uh, compared to all, like pretty much all other milks, including soy. And mm. it's very tasty, actually. It's nice. I'm on flavor. board with mm-hmm, it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm an oat milker also. So whilst I was there, I bought some oat milk for myself. And um, actually, while I was there, my, my dad stole it to test it out in his coffee. And a couple of weeks later, he rang me up and said, I, I've, I've bought three lots of oat milk. It was all on sale. He's Amazing. put it in his coffee, put it in his cereal. Yeah, he really likes it. So uh, well done, dad. And well, well done you also for introducing your dad to it as well. Yeah, well, you know. We can I, still I'm, celebrate I'm, I'm you. pretty good. And uh, especially well done, Lloyd's dad. What's your dad's name again? David. Well done, David. Well done, David. Excellent. Excellently done. I'm glad that you now like oat milk. So am I. It's really good. Um, so that's my dad. Uh, staying in the family. Um, my sister sent me a message to say, after your podcast, I now recycle. Okay. Well done, Sean. Excellent. I mean, gen- that is genuinely good. I was slightly worried she didn't recycle before, but brush that aside because she's recycling now. Yes, that's ignoring the main thing. that. Well that's, done. That's, for that's actually quite recycling. a major change, to be fair. 
Excellent. So well that's done. what this podcast is all about. And moving a bit further on, um, I got sent some pictures from uh, Liam Wilmot. So if you're listening, Liam, hi. Uh, thank you so much for the pictures because he, hi, after Liam. listening to uh, our episodes, particularly some of the first ones where we talked about uh, bees, for example, mm. he was in the stages of redoing his garden and he's now planted loads of wildflowers, bee boxes. He's got uh, little allotments which Ooh. fits in nicely with our sustainable eating. Very nice. Um, he's got chickens. It's fantastic. I'll, I'll put some of these pictures on Instagram because uh, they're really, really lovely. And it's a really big project. So well done, Liam. Oh, brilliant. Turning your garden into a really nice little sustainable haven. Sustainable paradise. It's beautiful. Oh, nice. But there are some others, right? We can celebrate. We're going to go a little bit further afield. I did How have much someone... further afield are we talking? How far could you get? Uh, Saturn. I meant on Earth. But that's um, well done for thinking outside the box. I'm uh, assuming not Antarctica. We're going to Australia. We're going to Australia. Um, one of our lovely Aussie listeners, um, my friend Hato, who I met in Nepal. Well, he has messaged me or the podcast. He's messaged us to let us know that he has decided to offset his carbon emissions for both his family and his business. So he's used a scheme, um, I've written it down, it's called carbon, the Carbon Neutral Charitable Fund. He's aware that he cannot make his family completely carbon neutral just in their habits, although he's doing plenty of things like trying meat-free days and um, trying to reduce their packaging and their energy use. But then he's also decided that to mitigate the rest of the carbon that his family's been producing, which he can't so easily get rid of, he is paying into a carbon offset scheme, which calculates how much carbon he thinks that he and his daughters and his wife have used over the year, taking into account like their long haul and short haul flights. And then it gives him an amount of carbon that he needs to offset. And then he's paid into this carbon offset scheme, which plants trees in order to effectively balance your carbon footprint. And he's done that for his business as well as his home, which that's is great. Amazing. So for where, you know, I think that's a really great way of if you can't make yourself completely sustainable in your habits, you can have an impact by offsetting well done Hato. that's fantastic so, that's nice so comprehensive one. yeah well done so there we go i mean that's what's been really nice about this season we've had people uh who uh we know and even who we don't know um writing into us uh whether that's in, well either talk to us in person or writing in on social media yeah and tell us all the little things they've been doing um things they've thought about and it's been fantastic like i've been tagged in lots of things recently on facebook and twitter about uh articles and sustainability and green stuff it's been brilliant yeah it's been really lovely the conversations that we've started i think none of, we didn't really expect anyone to listen to this podcast and to have people that we don't know sending us in pictures of the bee boxes and things that they've been making uh, and the changes that they've been making in their own lives just because we've been rambling away with two microphones in front of us it's just been amazing bloody beautiful That's what well done been. guys well done you i'm gonna do a little there we go lovely i might do some well i might ask you to do some audio editing to make it sound like there's lots and lots of people clapping yeah rather than just like a, a little a, a slow solitary patronizing clap yeah <laughs> maybe just multiply that up so it's like a big studio audience yeah yeah of course yeah, i'll definitely definitely edit that in sure mm. beautiful right let's crack on anyway so getting down to it for this episode we have asked you to send in your questions um and we have picked some of our favorites we've done a little bit of research and we're going to try and answer a few of them now Yes. Which would you like to start with, Lloyd? Have you got a question in mind? I'm going to start with one that strokes our egos a little bit. Um, Your favourite, of course. Thank you to uh, LycownPictus93 on Instagram for this. Uh, you're wondering about the name LycownPictus is Latin name for African wild dogs. Oh. Uh, also known as painted wolves. Very nice. Anyway, 
Um, you asked, what eco-friendly hair products do you recommend to maintain that podcast promo quality style? So first now, of all, thank you. Which of us was she talking about? Oh. Oh, um, probably you, actually, yeah. I have to admit, the, picture, the day we took the picture that we used for a lot of the podcast promo, I was going to a wedding that afternoon, so I had actually done my hair quite oh, nicely. Oh, there we are. Yeah, what, what hair products do we use? Um, I can't remember which one I use. I, I buy mine from Boots, and I, I'm going to be honest, um, it's one I've been using for a little while. So once that's getting used up, I think I'll try and look out for more sustainable ones as nice. in the actual material inside but the the, the packaging isn't plastic at least oh, it, it's, it's like a little metal tin um, i buy from boots uh I, it, I, oh a solid one something hair shop i can't remember but anyway it is a waxy stuff wait are we talking shampoo or like a wax oh i thought would uh sorry i was doing like hair styling stuff oh okay nice so you've got you've got a nice, um, a nice wax going but on. but now i am actually having said that Thank you for pointing that out. Um, I am using um, the plastic-free uh, shampoo, like the bars, soap bars. Yes, me too. Which I think I mentioned in the past episode, mm. uh, which have been really nice, actually. I've been surprised at how well they've lathered. Yeah, I've only made the switch recently. So although in the picture, which you were so kind about, I probably was using Dove or Tresemme or something, uh, I've now got the Honey uh, shampoo bar from Lush because it's kind of creamy and my hair gets quite dry. So I find it's, it's quite conditiony. Although it's not a conditioner bar, it's a soap bar. It does leave my hair feeling quite soft and shiny. There we go. You too can uh, be like us and have luscious hair. <laughs> okay I, I, I can't quite decide how ironic or whether that question is poking fun at us or not i don't know in which I'm case not sure you probably overindulged just, maybe she was buttering us up to get on the podcast but um i liked it's it working yeah and it just shouted out a nice hair product from lush anyway so all right next up um what shall we go for okay here's one this one was quite open-ended and i really liked it and i'd love to get your thoughts but after all our research, because of course every week we've looked at a different topic, would you say, Lloyd, that you are more or less optimistic towards the human's future on Earth after all of this new learning that we've been Um on? Yeah, that is a really fantastic question. It's hard, isn't it? It's really... So here's my thought process. So when uh, we decide on what the topic is and we go away and research it, um, we like bury ourselves in the archives and the libraries for like months and end mm, um, yes i find thoroughly, that thoroughly <laughs> researching <laughs> because we obviously go through a process of in our podcast you want to say what the problem is and then say oh what you can do about it i think when i first start reviewing a, uh, a topic like the impact our food's having the impact that cars are having or transport um i get less optimistic so i'm like wow this is a really big problem we are screwed and all these numbers start coming at you like we need mm. to fix this by this year uh, this percentage of carbon is going into the atmosphere um we need to act this quickly you start thinking this is such a huge task yeah and it's just sparring out of control but then on the flip side when i start researching um what we can do it's actually fantastic the further you go into it and you start reading about all these new initiatives new um campaigns or petitions or mm. new technologies that people are funding uh, it, it kind of brings back the optimism a lot which i think is really important um for what we're trying to achieve with this podcast isn't it we, we want to make sure people stay positive because actually i found that there is a hell of a lot we can do yeah um, definitely as long as we do it now 
Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, I go through the exact same process of utter misery when we start researching and realising the footprints that we're leaving behind. And then, yeah, you're right, the wealth of not only new technologies and companies and thoughts that are coming out, but um, the, the increase in just general everyday people and the public paying interest and being more inclined towards change, I think, is really exciting. Because so, we're talking about Extinction Rebellion, weren't we? Yes, yeah, the amount Recently. of people that are now really fixating on we need to make change and are understanding the processes that we need to go through to make change. I think the rate at which that's spreading through, certainly the UK, and I would hope other countries, although I can't speak for them, if it, if the faster that disseminates, the more optimistic I get about our chances at making change. But sometimes I then, you know, have this wonderfully optimistic bubble and then I go and speak to, I don't know, like my grandpa or something and he says, well... What's the point? Because there are so many cars in China and India. If they're not changing, why should I bother? And I think that's the attitude that really bothers me because the more people that have that attitude and not not wrapped up in this little optimistic bubble that we sometimes find ourselves in, the less things are going to be done. Sometimes I think, we, yeah, positivity is, is exactly what's needed. Plus what I'd say to that is uh, if you have a leading industrialised industrialized nation like the UK, um, obviously we're quite UK-centric on this show. If you have a, a country like the UK that comes forward and says, oh, the vast, vast majority of the population has, you know, taken it on themselves to do this, we're cutting our carbon emissions, mm. that makes it so much more likely other countries are going to do it. Because when uh, you have things like the Paris uh, Climate Agreement, mm. you get um, a lot of countries who are having a bit of a standoff because they're like, well, why should we cut emissions if you're still pumping them out? Like, mm. Why should we suffer? So if you... If, if we start, if we get going and we say, right, we're not going to worry about changing every country's attitude straight away. We're going to focus on us first. That's that's where it starts. Yeah, we can start a chain reaction. And as well, you know, even if we don't have the biggest population in the world, obviously, um, we like you said, we're still kind of industry and innovation leading. We can still create technology which can be shared and, and that knowledge can be transferred to help other countries which might not have that technology in the yeah, first place. Yeah, because uh, talking there about technology, uh, sorry to interrupt, but talking about technology, uh, recently there was uh, some press about, I think it was Cambridge University has put loads of money into a new um, uh, climate research institute. I'm going to have to, I'll, I'll get back on social media with the name of this, uh, but basically the idea is that they're saying, right, we're at a point where we need to invest properly in and research properly some like radical solutions and it's really interesting some of the things they were suggesting like one of them was uh putting uh putting silver particles into the air around the poles for example like seeing oh, right. whether that can bring down the temperatures around the poles so you slow down the melting and there are okay. other solutions that they're looking at other research like less drastic or more drastic but things like that you're right like the uk is a center for science and technology we are world leaders that can come from us. That's mm. a great contribution. Yeah, brilliant. So, so I think resoundingly, over, overarchingly, we're optimistic. Over, I'd over, say. yeah, more, way more be, optimistic. You still have to have, you know, a foot in the camp of, of reality and and seeing the scope yes. that we're kind of having to deal with on a global scale. But we have to remain optimistic because if we lose hope, what is the point? Exactly. We, I, ha I would we say have to face this thing's optimism. Way more optimistic. What, like, very optimistic, but at the same time. This podcast made me more aware, hyper aware of the issues. Like when you go into a supermarket and you're aware of the plastic packaging, for example, mm. like you're suddenly aware of everything that's going on. Look at things more. with fresh eyes, don't yeah. you? Once you know kind of the collective costs around things. Such a good question. Goodness me, what a good question. I think thanks, Tom, at Aspect Science for that one. I think I, I think I remember. Exactly. I could have talked about that for a whole episode. Hmm? I could have like 
droned on for a whole episode for that. Well, maybe one day. Maybe in season two, folks. Maybe we'll revisit whether we've got more or less optimistic. Well, maybe we'll ask that question at the end of every season. We'll watch, we'll, we can watch how our, how our attitudes Themes. have changed. Because the landscape will have changed as well. So we can... Yeah, yeah. Oh. Potentially, literally. <laughs> With sea level rises. Optimism. <laughs> okay. Next question. Next question. Um, here's one from E.B. Hayes. Uh, this came from Instagram. How can we travel sustainably? Okay. I have to confess, travel is my crux. I... Yeah love it and i'm aware that it's polluting but it's something that i'm going to really struggle to to give up and trying to find ways to travel more sustainably i I love this and i did go off on a huge research and research tangent on this one i can vouch for it i've seen the notes (laughs) so i'm going to cover it lightly now a few of the things but this is one which we're going to do a full episode on in season two because there are so many things and so many amazing ways that you can still travel and and do so in a way that doesn't have a huge impact on the environment and can even have a positive impact on the environment that we are just going to dive deep into that another time. Now, one of them, a tool that I found super handy is the website Fly Green, which is F-L-Y-G-R-N. And it's kind of like a, it's almost like Skyscanner. It searches for cheap flights for you, but then it also, if you book it through them, it includes... Um, the fee for offsetting your carbon emissions, which it's calculated for that flight. That's cool. And it doesn't cost you any extra. They literally take it out of their profits. Oh, wow. And the way that they do that is by investing this in solar panel projects in India. And even if you haven't built um, booked your flight through them, you can still plug in your details. So, for example, um, I'm going to Stockholm. I, I said, OK, right, I'm flying from London to Stockholm how much would that be? And it will say, oh, two pounds, something very small. It was a very small fee. It was surprisingly small, actually. Um, I wouldn't want that to become, you know, like a get out of jail free. Well, I've offset my carbon, so now I can fly however much I want because it doesn't feel like very, I thought it would be more expensive. Anyway, backtracking. I can then pay that fee to them and still invest in their offsetting schemes, even though I haven't booked my flight through them. What was the website again? Fly Green, so but G R N, not like green. I'll pop, I'll pop a link to it on the yeah, social. Do. But I do, I do think it's a good idea because um, first and foremost, we should minimise our flying. Definitely. Um, sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes it's it's not you know it's not easy enough to get a train, or you're maybe time poor, or you know you can't really get a train to the other side of the world. That would take forever and also be very expensive. Even though trains do take ninety percent, um, produce ninety percent less CO two than planes. If it so, if it is a feasible distance to get a train, it's great. But then there are other ways as well. If you are flying, to maybe think about doing so in a better way. So some airlines are more sustainable than others. And this isn't just the case of like EasyJet recently said, "Oh, by the way, we're like a green airline," and you're kind of like, "Well, I mean, are you really? You can't just say that." <laughs> But there is this thing called the Sustainable Flying Index, which uh, you can check out your airlines um, and see which one you're flying with. And um, sometimes you can see what fuel mix they're using. So KLM, um, Mm. they use biofuels for quite a lot of their routes, for example, including the Amsterdam to LA flight, which is a very long flight. flight. So that's quite nice to know that at least one of their key routes is biofuel. Yeah, that's nice. So um, you can do things like that. And then, of course, there's loads of options uh, like 
picking hotels or places to stay which are locally owned so you reduce your kind of local impact because you're fueling the local economy um and ones which have really like put eco-friendliness at the heart of what they do yeah so basically there might be some extra steps to do a bit more research but but a bit more a bit more research would be good um with the we're talking about the extinction rebellion and climate emergency recently um one of the suggestions to uh achieve the cutting of carbon emissions was to impose some sort of frequent flyer tax oh yeah so the more the you fly the you that tax goes up in bands so yeah. if you're just doing like the odd flight a year it doesn't really affect you but if you're flying back and forth every week for example for business mm. and obviously like i'm not saying you don't need to fly back and forth if you're doing business i don't know what your business is but um, quite a lot of business can be done remotely exactly. and, so and in that case that's a lot of air miles that's coming up it uh, is a lot of air miles which, which is an interesting thought for the future mm. i think that could that could possibly work because you're not punishing people for going on holiday once a year because that's unfair really but you are punishing like you said the, the most frequent polluters yeah um that so that's that's an interesting way which which that might well really nice question <laughs> that might get off the ground in the future <laughs> um but yeah, and if you are looking back to hotels, if you are looking at places to stay, um, a lot of places will kind of say, oh, we're really, really eco-friendly. But one of the ways to like really make sure that they are is to look for things like whether they're certified by the Rainforest Alliance or the Global Sustainable Tourism Council, because someone, a third party has gone and checked and ticked and make sure that they actually are being super sustainable. It's fantastic tips. Yeah. Can you tell that Emma used to work in travel? <laughs> just love travel <laughs> just to give them a little snippet of your former life um great question thank you so much for that so let's crack on to another question this one is from samuel george tv ah how much do we need to address consumerism when fighting for the environment one word hugely hugely yes i mean if there's one theme that i think is linked through all our podcasts it's kind of the impact that we have and that we can take responsibility for. And yes. it's important to say now that we should never let um, government and um, big business off the hook because they have a huge responsibility um, to make changes. But it's it's a give and take in that our consumerism and our willful... Uh, our habits, habits such yeah we have we i think underestimate the value of our consumer purchasing power um we can decide who we do and we don't support and what practices we do and we don't support and if the majority of us start moving away from fast fashion and towards local and towards reducing our food waste um and then there's the bigger players in the market have no option but to conform to meet demand yeah, precisely. So like things like this uh, For What It's Earth podcast, the idea is that we want to get through to people that we can make a difference, but also to make people aware of what could make a difference and what they should be looking out for. Mm. So I think just being aware that these problems exist, like fast fashion, you're more likely to check the label. You're more likely to think, okay, I've already bought something from that shop. For my next thing, I'm going to actually go online and find this other retailer that is a bit more ethical. Mm. So, as you said, there, we, we can do a lot. Our purchasing power matters a lot. Uh, there's an interesting give and take between policy, business and consumer level. Mm. For example, the plastic bag charge, which we've discussed uh, several times before, but I think it's quite a neat example, 
is that um, maybe in that case you needed government policy to say, we're going to put a charge on it. But then it was still up to us to take that that. prompt and say, okay, yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to reduce the number of bags I I buy. So it goes down and down. And now they're thinking about putting the charge up again because they know it's it's working. They Mm. know that we're responding to it. So so there is um, a real need to remember that consumerism is at the heart of what we do. Yeah, I think especially you're in our generation, we've grown up from the get-go being very used to... Who was it? Oh, and I was speaking to Libby Bowles. She used this fantastic phrase, addicted to convenience. Yeah. We have only known having Tesco's down the road and having things immediately there, no matter what season the produce is there. doesn't matter where things have come from because we're not taught about the supply chain. We're just used to whatever we want, we'll pay for it and it's there and it doesn't matter. You know, our parents and our grandparents have grown into that and have, but have remembered a time before that. And it's it's only because it's it's weird for us to imagine going to something which we haven't encountered before that doesn't mean at all, though, that that can't happen. Yeah, precisely. I can't wait to go local. <laughs> it's, it's part of uh, the whole fact that we've got busy and busy lives as well, isn't it? So we, we don't feel like we've got that day to go a bit further to the market and pick things up that way. Or And every new technology that's developed these days, literally everything we do is centred around time saving and convenience. Yeah. Literally everything. So because we're getting so used to things being so easy, you know, if you've got an Apple watch, you can pay for things by just throwing your watch near a cashier. Like that is absolutely mad. It's crazy. But it's a prime example of how lazy we're being and how technology is facilitating our laziness so we're not used to thinking okay i'll go to three different shops i'll go to my butchers i'll go to my greengrocers and i'll go to my local dairy farm to get the things that i need because i can get them all in one place it's just readjusting that attitude which in the long run will not only be better for society but better for us as individuals because we're going to be eating healthier and and caring about what we're putting into our bodies it's just going to take some time to understanding why we need to get to that and why we need to get over that need for convenience very good. Next question. Okay. Let's go with a funny one. Hannah's. Some joker named Hannah thought that this would be a fun one to make us answer on the podcast. And you know what? We're rising to it. Let's talk about condoms on the podcast. This yeah. is going to be weird. Are condoms recyclable? Discuss. Thanks, Hannah Poppy D. Um... <laughs> the short answer I mean, is be... no. Yeah, the short answer is no. Uh, Do not that, reuse that is a... or recycle your condoms. It's, it's kind of a fair question. It's an interesting question to ask. Uh, do yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I pity any bin man that would have that job to recycle. Yeah. I mean, how do you even go about that? Yeah. So, <laughs> there's some small good news. Um, do I say this on the podcast? Will this gross people out? The bodily fluids inside the condoms will biodegrade. That's fine. I, I think that was there very medically put. And that was Thank quite you. sterile. Um, so th- there are some companies that are trying to man- manufacture or go through the condom manufacturing in a more environmentally friendly way. For example, I think it's a company L Condoms, which will use recycled paper boxes and the boxes uh, use ink that is vegetable ink. Oh, that's a really process. interesting way of making the whole process sustainable. I hadn't thought yeah. about that. I was so literally only thinking about the kind of the latex man- product. Yeah, so it's, it's, you still want to do the uh, the packaging and the transport and everything else. So latex itself is biodegradable, but the thing is, there are many other things they're coated in, yes. um, which basically render it non biodegradable. Not to mention uh, the sort of health problems 
uh, like potential disease transmission, that sort of thing, you know, with trying to recycle these. Um, worth saying now, never flush them down the toilet. No, because they will clog your pipes. Yes. Or they'll end up in sewage where they'll get scooped out and then plonked into landfill anyway. Yes. It's just a waste of time. Or they'll slip through that whole thing and end up somewhere like the sea. Yes, because even if it Not was just latex, good. that actually wouldn't be biodegradable once it was in water anyway. Mm. Um, so... But I think this is a really interesting, this kind of opens up a wider discussion of areas when plastic products or similar are actually still essential. Because yeah. we've obviously done episodes where we're like, ah, stop plastic, stop plastic, stop plastic. It's bad. And these are the reasons it's bad. But I think in medical situations and situations like this where you've got a contamination aspect, this is where plastics and the whole reason they were produced for being durable, mm-hmm. um, this is where they come into their own and this is where they need to remain so like the nhs for example the amount of single-use plastic it goes through is obscene but if we're going to keep single-use plastic anywhere it needs to be there because yeah. that's where you need to have things that aren't being reused and recycled because that's a that's a sterility aspect yeah, exactly we talk about plastic so much in this podcast but it's important to remember that they were made for a reason and they can be good in certain situations it's just trying to eliminate the unnecessary uh Wasteful usage plastic. precisely yeah. uh so hopefully there'll be more research done into this in the future. Yep. Um, in but also please make, don't feel bad about your plastic footprint. Yeah, that's something not to feel bad about. And arguably, um, by not producing another human, you're reducing the carbon footprint. I was so, exactly going to say that. The, the benefit of preventing unwanted pregnancies and yes. looking after people's health as well, both of those are going to be a big economic and environmental gain. There we go, Hannah. Bet you didn't think we'd answer that one. Yeah. On to the next question. On to the next question. Corin Pardy. I'm desperate to find easy DIY makeup solutions, mainly brow powder. Can um, I ask as a man? <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I'm going to... Okay. Can, can I ask as someone who doesn't use uh, makeup products? Yep. What's brow powder? So you see how lovely and luscious and full my eyebrows At this look? point, uh, just to paint a picture for you, a really vivid picture, Emma is uh, stroking, my stroking eyebrows. her eyebrows at me, going, look at this. Um, okay. Continue, now that they understand. <laughs> Basically, people, I, okay, confession time. If you've listened to our cosmetics episode and our toiletries episode, I said this as well. I am not a very good makeup-y person. I don't wear very much makeup. I don't really understand makeup. I always have to get my sister to tell me what to buy and what to do with stuff because she's very good at these things. Um, But I'm undoubtedly going to be better suited to answer this question than Lloyd. So I thought, okay, I'll do some research. Which is a fair fair comment to make. Yeah, brow powder kind of thickens and darkens your eyebrows, something that loads of people do at the moment. I think it kind of adds emphasis to your eyes. I'm not really sure. I just do it a little bit. Um... So yeah, you asked about sustainable DIY makeup solutions. Right, I did actually find a recipe for brow powder should you want to make one. Right, you need um, some a tiny bit of castor oil, uh, some cocoa powder, some cornstarch and some activated charcoal. And then you mix all of those together in a pot um, and it creates a, a powder. But then it depends on how dark your eyebrows are. So if they're dark, you add more activated charcoal. And if they're quite light, you don't need as much. So. I'm learning so much. Yeah, you just have to experiment with what ratio um, of those products is right for you. Because I don't know what colour your eyebrows are. So 
give it a go. Let us know. Maybe send us a picture. Yeah. I want to see your eyebrows. Send us four pictures of four different uh, ratios. Yes. Um, like an experiment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hope that works for you. Um, and if any of you listeners don't fancy making your own DIY makeup, but would like to explore some sustainable makeup solutions anyway, I did also find a couple of companies which do uh, things like um, kind of zero waste products. So there's some Zao, Z-A-O and Elate um, are both products that I've seen. I've seen Zao in health food shops, I think. And they make things like mascara tubes out of bamboo um, and like lipstick pencils and things that are all wood-based rather than plastic-based um, and, and have pots and things. And even the mascara tubes you can go and get refilled as opposed to buying a new one. So they're good. And Soapy Pavel as well, when we spoke about... The lovely Sophie, yep. Absolutely. When we spoke about toiletries and stuff in one of our earlier episodes, she also had a great recipe for DIY toner and face masks. So if you want some more inspiration, you can go back and listen to that one. But I hope that helps. I'm sorry I'm not super good at makeup. That's very comprehensive, I, I, I hope that, that that is enough. And please do let us know how you get on. I learnt loads. I look forward to seeing your 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 eyebrows next time. Mine? Yeah. Firstly, when, when, when you come back up to Sweden, a... <laughs> I have a great tan and some lovely eyebrows. I can't wait. So what's next? Okay. Should we go soybeans? Yes, let's. Okay. To what extent does soybean production have a negative impact on the environment? Hmm. I suspect you've got some more uh, hard numbers for me because I don't know the specific answer, but we did uh, touch on this in the sustainable food episode, didn't we? Which is episode three? Yes, it was early days, that one. early days. Um, And in that episode, I think I actually got my words muddled. Because, uh, yeah. So I'm, I admitted to being lactose intolerant. Um, so for a long time, I've been drinking soy milk uh, because I can't digest dairy milk. Um, and hadn't really been aware of the environmental impacts of dairy milk um, until we really kind of did some heavy research for that episode. But one of the things I said, I think, was that soy was better than other milk alternatives like oat and almond. And I was completely wrong. <gasps> I'd read my notes wrong. It's information. Yes, it's oat. Oat, in fact, is the best. And here's why. <laughs> so basically, soybeans are, I mean, the, the, the milk is good for you. It's low in saturated fat and it's plant-based. Um, and it, it doesn't require kind of methane-producing cows like dairy milk does. Mm-hmm. But it does have very high transport emissions, emission costs associated with it because it's often grown in places like Brazil uh, and the tropics. Um, also, up to 80% of soy milk or soybean crop in the world is allegedly genetically modified crops, which a lot of people find quite a controversial topic. Um, so this basically means that they've been bred or genetically modified in a certain way to really increase their crop yield, mm-hmm. which again, uh, if you look at it from an economic point of view, fab. Great. Like we're going to produce much more for small, like less land, and we're running out of land space anyway, so that's great. But then some people also don't like that because if you're filling fields and fields and fields of, of genetically modified crops, there's some argument against biodiversity because there are also, a lot of them are very genetically similar. So yes, you, you sure. kind of don't get the natural evolution and, and doesn't support natural ecosystems. Either way, um, the main thing also is whether the crop is organic because, again, as we discussed, I think in both the food and our bees episode... We went off on organic products, didn't we? we did. Possibly even in fast fashion. Yes, we did. 
So um, you've got an environmental impact there as well if it was if it was organic. So why? So Alpro, who are one of the, the leading brands who produce soy milk, you'll see them everywhere. Mm-hmm. They also do yogurts and all sorts of stuff. Have said that soy milk uh, needs two times less land and four times less water than dairy milk. So tick tick, both of those are better. Um, and it also has two and a half less carbon dioxide emissions. But there are other environmental issues. Is is we're not just focusing on carbon mm. emissions when we're looking at this. We also need to look at the massive deforestation that is associated a lot of land with use, carbon yeah. crop. Yeah, the soy crop, especially in places like Brazil, big swathes of really, really carbon-rich yeah. land, like in the Amazon. So it's not necessarily just land use; it's what they're cutting down to make room for it, isn't it? Yeah, it has to come from totally these pilots. right. Yeah, because the Amazon is such a big carbon sink for us. Mm-hmm. Not only is reducing it reducing land and reducing trees um it releases carbon and stops absorbing carbon and it's just terrible all around do not chop the amazon down guys so it's fair to say uh correct me if i'm wrong that soy is still going to be generally a better choice than dairy-based milk yep however um if you want to go further there are many alternatives that will do way better than soy 100%. 100%. Uh, obviously, it might like come down oat. to what you We're both fans like of taste oat. preference. I love oat, as we uh, mm. mentioned earlier. My it's, dad is now oat, uh, oat-based. oat It's creamier than I expected, oat milk, actually. It's it's really nutty. like it. Lovely in a mm-hmm. cappuccino. So it takes 1,050 litres of water to produce one litre of cow milk, 297 litres of water to produce one litre of soy milk. How many do you reckon for oat? Uh, 50. Yeah, 48. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so oat is... I've been reading the back of the cartons. <laughs> so uh, so oat is is essentially, it's is often got a lot less kind of transport CO2 mm. emissions and also uh, a lot less water footprint to it as well. So, yes. I, I, we're team oat. We are team oat. Great. Smash that one out. Easy. Done. Tick. Uh, what's next? How about... Shall I choose one? Yeah, absolutely. This one. This is from Amy Jane 1308. Mm. And not to be confused with Amy Jane 1307. She asks, what is the biggest impact you can make in the home? So I think we've got very similar answers to Mm. this one uh, because there are some main ones um, that we can address at a household level. So one of them is uh, to do with energy usage in our homes. So homes account for 15% of the UK's greenhouse gas emissions, right? Ooh. So straight away, there's you could, uh, for example, switch energy provider. Now, there are some energy providers which will almost exclusively use renewable energy. Yes, I've got a list of some of my favourites. Go on. So although you can go to your current energy provider and they might have like a, a semi-renewable fuel mix. Good tip. Sod yeah. it. Just go, just go all out. If you're going to make a switch, change to 100% renewable fuel provider. Just, it's so much easier. If you're going to make a change, just do it once, do it properly. So I've picked four. We've got Green Energy UK, which uses 100% renewables and it uses green gas and biogas. Octopus, lovely name. I've heard of Octopus. They're quite big. Um, they are one of the UK's largest um, solar projects, I think. Oh, cool. I, so I, I, great. I keep seeing people posting links because I think if you refer someone else to theirs, you get £50 and they get £50. Oh, great. Bill, not to like plug up any particular business. Well, let's but, both do that. Um, yeah, go on. 50 then. quid each. <laughs> Smashing. There's also Bulb. Bulb's one of the UK's largest 100% renewable uh, energy source 
sources, firms, whatever they're called, generators. I don't know, companies, suppliers, suppliers. suppliers. You're on it, um, and they, the they use a mix. Strikes of, again. <laughs> they use a mix of solar, wind, and hydro, and then there's good energy as well, which also have a mix of wind, hydro, solar, and biogas. So there's, I think there's loads more options, but those are four that have come in highly recommended, and it would be super easy to look at changing. Yeah, brilliant. So that's the energy that's coming into your home, uh, but obviously you're going to be wanting to limit the energy that's wasted in your home. Yep. So uh, quite simply, make sure your insulation is up to scratch. Uh, maybe get double glazing again expensive but um if you if, if you feel you can afford it definitely go for it and it'll save um, you money in the long run as well from wasting less energy on heating yeah and i have a sticking suspicion certain councils might help you out money wise yes so if perhaps you look, look that up if you look regionally as well you can also apply for um kind of grants to help you out with loft insulation as well because the majority of heat is lost through mm. people's roofs especially if you live in an old home so get yeah, some brilliant. really thick loft insulation and see if you can get any grants to help you out too yeah, definitely worth doing because uh, here's some numbers. The average household in the UK emits 2.7 tonnes of CO2 every year from heating their home. Goodness me. That's the average house, just one house. Um, so that's energy. Diets, which uh, we've mentioned obviously a whole whole episode two, episode mm-hmm. three. So you can go back and listen to how you can reduce your diet. Because, um, for example, the highest impact plant protein... Uh, the, the plant protein that produces the highest impact on the environment still produces less of an impact uh, than the lowest impact meat-based proteins, for example. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot you can do to switch. And scientists from the University of Oxford actually recently said that if you reduced your meat consumption really significantly as a household, it would have more impact on your personal carbon footprint than if you stopped driving for a year. Oh, brilliant. So I think a lot of people would assume that driving is the bigger polluter than what they put on their table for dinner so actually even if you don't drive or if you do drive please also try and maybe think about reducing your meat consumption because it can have much more of an impact than some of us realize yeah i mean definitely go back and listen to our sustainable diets episode because we've also got some uh or check out social media as well because we we talked about some tools like uh, emissions calculators and water calculators all sorts that can help you work out roughly what the impact your food is having but diet is a huge 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 one nice and moving on from that where we get the food from and when yeah buy local and buy seasonal beautiful to try and keep those transport emissions down and also uh reducing waste in our homes so you can reduce carbon emissions generally um we can actually halve carbon emissions in our homes by avoiding waste from food from clothing from electronics so similar similar theme to buying locally uh buy what you need Think about what whether you actually need it. Um, think about what's going to happen to it afterwards. Reuse and repair if possible. Mm. We're going to try and do a reuse and repair episode next season as well. That's going to come so in. So look out for that because there are um, some groups, for example, I've seen one in Bristol, one in Swansea, that will offer to repair things for you or take things off your hand, repair them, sell them on. So there we go. We've talked about... So for your household, you can uh, worry about your energy provider, uh, wasting energy, uh, your diet, your travel, I think, are probably the main... Some of the biggest things, which are maybe the easiest, actually, to target. Yeah. So we hope that helps. Hope that's given you some ideas. Storming through these. We've got one from your mum, haven't we? Should we answer your mum's question? We do have one from my mum. And it's actually a very, very good question. So, hi, mum. Hi, Janie. Hi, Janie. Uh, my mother works in school. Uh, she is fantastic. And she... Well, I'm going to read out the question. Okay. So, she's sent it to me in an email. Okay. I work in a primary school, and as many teachers will testify, the ubiquitous paper towel is used for everything. It's used for 
drying hands, mopping up various liquids, folded down to put under a wonky table leg, down to the very important first aid use. Put a wet paper towel on it and you'll be fine, they say. On listening to a recent podcast of yours, I was alarmed to hear that this multitasking piece of paper is actually at the end of its life and cannot be recycled. My problem is that many of the children put them in a recycling bin. Is this okay, or by doing this, does it contaminate the ordinary paper recycling? Looking forward to your answer, Janie. What a fantastic question. It's a lovely question. So much thought went into that. Oh, bless her. Um, so I have done some digging, mum. And I purposely kept the answer from you till this episode so we can boost up the listening numbers. So, um, yeah, tissue paper is made from already recycled paper and can't generally be recycled again. Mm. Uh, It's got such little consistency left to it, has it? Exactly, because uh, I I can't remember how many cycles of paper you normally get. It's six or seven. Six or seven cycles of paper until you're sort of at the point you can't use it again. Because the uh, fibres, the paper fibres... Um, generally get shorter and shorter with each recycling because mm. you're breaking them down and trying to mesh them together again. So by this point, when they're paper, uh, tissue paper um, and like the blue paper you quite often get, uh, it's usually quite poor pulp once you get to the recycling process. Um, and you know what? It's probably not that nice when people have to sort through tissue paper at the end, depending on what it's been used for. If it's just been used for wiping up spills, I guess it would mind. So... Quite often we use these paper towels to wipe things up, like grease. Mm-hmm. Very difficult to get grease out of the, uh, like away from the fibres. Yes, it kind of sticks around. So actually if you put a little bit of a grease-covered paper into the recycling and it gets into a batch, you're going to get grease in the rest of the recycling batch, unfortunately. Um, so don't worry, because there are some little things you can do to help or that might, might make you feel better to know. Oh, I knew you'd come in with some positivity. Oh, yeah. We're all about positivity here. So here are some suggestions. So these suggestions come from businessinsider.com because I'm very highbrow. Of course. Um, So obviously use fewer paper towels where you can. Maybe use uh, some sort of like uh, kitchen towels, uh, handkerchiefs, depending on what you're using them for. I guess if you're using first aid, you don't really want to. And if you're in a public bathroom, use a hand dryer if there are hand dryers available. If there are hand dryers, use those. Um, or just use one bit of paper rather than taking a whole. True, you don't need a lot of them to dry your hands. Just watch like me and jeans. Yeah, that's what boys do anyway, isn't it? Yeah, just go, and we're done. Done, lovely. How about that for uh, auditory uh, <laughs> stimulation? Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But also, interestingly, and I didn't give much thought to this, because the fibres are so short anyway, they're quite ready to break down. You can put them in compost piles. Oh, that's a good yes. idea. That's a secondary use for them. A little thing to note is please don't put them in compost piles if you use them with uh, cleaning products. Oh, Because true. you'd rather not get especially chlorine and bleach-based things into the environment if we can help it. So yeah. if you like wiping up spillages... Um, You've mopped up a bit of ketchup. Yeah, precisely drying hands. Usually the kitchen towels by that point can be chucked in a compost heap. If you're not entirely sure, maybe just give a little experiment in your compost heap. See what... And see what what happens to them after a little while. Um, But generally, don't feel too guilty because they've already been recycled lots and that's kind of the point. Mm. It's about getting the most we can from these. And everything we use. uh, I mean, hopefully these trees are being replaced as well at the same rate they've been cut down. You can log on to... So there's a website I put up a little while back 
called uh, recyclenow.com Ooh. and it'll basically give you tips like you can type in a product and it'll give you tips for how to recycle it or whether it can generate be recycled mm. or maybe you can say where you're living in the country in the uk and it'll generally tell you what your options are or who to get in contact with so you can do that um i this website recycle now says that uh, if your council collects food waste as part of your household recycling scheme some will allow you allow you to put a small amount of kitchen towel in the food waste bin but check with your local council first there we go very nice there we go that's a good question that was a good question a good answer too on a mum okay so we have arrived at i think our last question that we have time for so on facebook aliandra asked us uh do we have any options for plastic free earplugs because she couldn't find any do you know anything about this no i don't to be honest i think i could invest in some yeah, I, I don't generally handy. use them, but I had a look and actually, um, yeah, it's a fair question because it's it's a bit, it, it's it's difficult because I think quite often they've got limited uses, depending on what you buy. Uh, the main uh, message seems to be buy reusable ones as much as possible. So mm. silicon ones, for example, I mean, even then they might have 50 uses, but that's better than two uses. Definitely. Um I believe you can get more expensive moldable ones. Oh. I don't know whether there's the equivalent of an audiologist in the UK, like some sort of ear-based doctor person who might be able to assist you, like in the same way that you go to a dentist to get like a custom mouth guard. Oh, right. I, I wonder whether you can get custom earplugs. I haven't quite got to the end no of this idea. thread, so I don't know for sure. <laughs> but I'll try and keep digging because I think that'll be really interesting. Um, I have seen some people sell uh, beeswax earplugs, uh, some of which have cotton in them. Okay um which i'm not sure i'd want to put more wax in my potentially already waxy ears yeah i don't know whether it's like it feels waxy or if it's like set oh, just waxy, slightly see what oh, i mean okay. i don't know but um so i mean if they've got cotton in them in it's arguable in itself they've got an environmental impact for the growth of cotton well but it's how, how much you trade it off um but i mean these had like 50 uses per pair and you can use them for swimming and stuff yeah true so, and you've got to get a good night's sleep as well. Yeah. One interesting website I found was something called terracycle.com. Have you heard of this? Yes, I actually mentioned them on our um, cosmetics and toiletries episode. Ah. Which you haven't listened which to. Which obviously no, I kidding. listened to very. Um, but they, they're good. They're really growing. They're really expanding, it seems. I'm seeing, seeing them more and more often, but they have loads of really niche schemes for recycling and reusing. Yeah, they've got one for earplugs. Really? Um, so you can buy like a big old box, which you fill up with your earplugs. Uh, I don't know how many you get through in a year. You're going to have to keep a weird box of earplugs under yeah, your bed. Uh, and obviously they've got other boxes for other items, but this one for earplugs, uh, you obviously fill them up, you take them to like a UPS place, they'll send them back to be recycled. Uh, the only thing is these boxes seem to cost like 120 quid each Oh, uh, as a thing. So I think it's less of a personal buy and more if you have a business... Oh, um, yes. Or... Some of the schemes you can set yourself up as a local recycling point. Yes. I, I think that's probably the better option. So if you and people are in your local vicinity use a lot of earplugs, maybe you live above a rock venue. Yep. Perhaps. Or under a flight path. Or under a flight path. Uh, you can make, I mean, maybe it's worth getting in touch with your local council or like a local employer, mm. supermarket, uh, university, see if they'll buy Post one for box. you. Post yeah. the box. Oh, great. I think that's about time. That's all we've got time for. Today. 
Phew. That was great. I really enjoyed that. Oh, I thought you meant few. The the season's over. Few. I mean, oh, I I get the break from you for a while. But Ouch. I mean, I'm kidding. What am I going to do? <laughs> I have to listen back to the series maybe just to get your PhD. voice again. Or maybe. <laughs> Um, thank you all so much for listening for A, the entire series, because I'm assuming you've listened to all of them, uh, and B, for getting in touch with some of those. I'm sorry we couldn't answer all of your questions. We're going to store them in a backlog uh, and possibly answer some of them in season two. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so keep listening out for those. We might pop up over the summer now and again with some little bonus features, perhaps. Yeah, we're not going to be leaving you completely high and dry. No, just uh, setting out the fishing line, see if we can reel you in a little bit more. <laughs> I tried to get for a metaphor. It didn't really work. Um, And there'll be more of that comedy gold at the end of the episode where I have a surprise blooper reel for you. There's a lot. Spoiler alert. There is a lot of Lloyd singing into the microphone. When he he doesn't realise I'm recording. So (laughs) this is the benefit of being the editor. I get to decide what goes in. Sometimes I sing to test the sound levels. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes it's because uh we're just waiting for things to happen in between little segments it's fine if, if, come the back mo- in the room. if the moment takes you you can burst into song I'm you're a far musical more in tune than person. i am i that's that's a worrying thing to say because i'm i'm not very good <laughs> last time i went to karaoke i'm pretty sure i emptied out the whole whole place oh see i i flat out avoid karaoke uh, well i do now Anyway, I'll be, I'll be to go back. anyway, anyway, we are going to go to the pub because yes. we are going to celebrate the wrap up of the season and begin some heavily detailed plans for what's coming up in season two. Exciting. Um, so we're going to leave you. We'll leave you for the summer. We'll see you every now and again. Um, you can still keep in touch with us. We're still going to be online. Oh, it's my turn to do this at the end of the season. Okay, uh, we're, this is how we're going to switch it up. I'm going to say the the, yeah, the handles. They, Go on, start where can again. They find us, Lloyd. Oh well, you can do. You're supposed to. Oh, you're I'm sorry. To like, oh, I'm not used to being this side of things. No, okay, you can speak to us on Instagram. You can slide into the DMs at. But <laughs> what it's a podcast. Lovely. We're also available on Facebook if you fancy a chat. This is also for what it's a podcast. Only got something short to say. Hit us up on Twitter. You're much better at this than I was. Wow, can you say I'm professional? At what earth pod. And if you fancy a long chat or you've got some really cool stuff to talk to us about, you can email us. Or what it's earth pod at gmail.com. Fantastic. Right. Well, I think we are off for a well-deserved cider. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back super soon to grace your ears. <laughs> Ta-ra. Bye. 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 Bum. Are we recording that? Yeah. Cool. Nice little bit of um what's it called? When How's that tea like... going down? Huh? How's that tea going down? It's lovely. But on there there are people on the internet that like hearing people's noises of people eating. When you say people on the internet, are we talking about like a really it's, specific subsection? It's a massive, of, it's a massive subgenre. We're talking the dark YouTube. corners of the internet, or are we talking like... I've heard about it. Someone was talking about it at uni the other day. And some people love it and some people hate it. There's a real, there's a, honestly, I swear to you, I haven't made this up. And it's got a, it's got a name for this type, <laughs> this type of like enjoyment of sound. On a matter pleasure. Oh, that's so much better than You're whatever welcome. the real name is. <laughs> Mm-hmm.
Are you doing the soundtrack as well? A little bit. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Intro. I mean, in terms of bamboo, I was actually at baby shower the other week. Oh, and um, the the baby carrier, (laughs) (laughs) the the one who was to give birth. Um, She uh, mother. Yes, that's a really good. Let's let's use that stroller, not a woman. From that, from that uh, point on. Let, let's let's refer let's, let's refer to this person as the mother. She's the mother. Yeah. Um. The the science term, if you will. I'm Emma. I'm Lloyd. And together we make up for what is Earth podcast. Yes. What am I saying? Uh, something about how good the podcast is. How. What we do and why we're here. Oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll I'll keep talking. Okay, let's do it again. Shut up, Lloyd.